Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Um, a nice Saturday after a long week. Yeah. Um, what uh, is your beverage of choice today? Today, I have some green tea. Mm. It's um, matcha. It's actually a Japanese brand of matcha mm. that I found at Costco a while ago. Love and Costco. I got it in like a 100 pack because <laughs> that's how Costco is. Yes. And I got it, I, I would guess like a year and a half ago. And you're still working and through I'm it. And I'm still working through it. Wow. Yeah. It was definitely like right after I'd moved to Durham, like a few months after I moved to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made its way here with me because I was like, I'm going to drink it all eventually. Yeah, eventually. You know, it's really good tea, but... We'll get through it. Yeah. Wow. Definitely recommend the Ito N brand of matcha. How do you spell that? I-T-O space E-N. Mm. Ito N. Mm-hmm. Green tea. Mm-hmm. Sounds delicious. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am keeping it um, as simple as it gets. I am drinking water <laughs> out of a, a reusable Nalgene. So, you know, <laughs> earth-friendly, uh, staying hydrated. Hey, hydration's important. Yeah. You know, nothing too complicated. You know, yeah. it doesn't need to be complicated. So no. Sometimes you just need some classic water. Water. <laughs> okay, you ready to get into it? Yeah. Howdy from Houston. I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And, and today, today we're talking about the autonomic nervous system. Yeah. Meaning like parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. If any of you guys have heard of those kind of thrown around in the health world yeah. these days. Like those are those are kind of buzzwords mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, especially if you're not in like either the medical world or if you don't have much of a science background or, you know, don't remember freshman year biology class right (laughs) yeah um it can be a little tricky um to learn those I mean I feel like I learned what these were probably three or four times in my life you know learned once in middle school or high school or something and then relearned it once in college forgot it relearned it studying for the MCAT forgot it you know yeah yeah (laughs) you know and um, relearned it last semester and now remember <laughs> yes, now it's our job to Now I know it. It's yeah. just in my brain. Um, so just for our listeners out there, just a quick little breakdown to kind of better understand what the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems are. Uh, so big overview, you have the nervous system. So that's going to be your brain, your spinal cord, your nerves, everything in your body that's, you know, telling your body what to do, mm-hmm. essentially. So that can be broken down into kind of two categories. You've got your central nervous system, which is going to be your brain and your spinal cord. And then you have your peripheral nervous system. And that's going to be like everything else. It's like your nerves that kind of go out into your body. Mm-hmm. And they branch off the spinal cord yes. to tell everything what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's how it communicates with your brain. Exactly. So that's your peripheral nervous system. And that is where your autonomic nervous system is in. So that's, that's what we're getting into. So focus on the peripheral nervous system. Mm-hmm. So within the peripheral nervous system, you have sensory and you have motor. So sensory is exactly what it sounds like, sensation. And motor is going to be movement. Mm-hmm. So within the motor section of your peripheral nervous system, you have another two categories the autonomic nervous system and the somatic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So somatic is going to be voluntary movement and autonomic is going to be more automatic movement. So mm-hmm. voluntary movement being you see something on the ground and you want to pick it up. So the, the movement of like moving your arm and picking up an object or, you know, jumping around or any kind of activity that you are under voluntary control. 
Uh, whereas the autonomic system, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like, automatic. It's all the stuff that your body does that you don't have to worry about. So your heart beating or digestion or, you know, releasing hormones and stuff like that. Everything that's going on inside of you that you don't even realize is going on. Yeah. Even breathing while you're asleep. Yeah. You know, breathing about a lot of that. stuff while you're asleep. Yeah. Because <laughs> I am not aware of anything while breathing, I'm asleep. Heart beating. Exactly. Yeah. So a very, very important system. So within the autonomic system, this is the last breakdown, I promise. Mm-hmm. You've got... <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot going on. <laughs> you've got the sympathetic and the parasympathetic So your sympathetic system is going to be what's traditionally called the fight or flight response. So anything within the sympathetic system, it's going to be anything you need to do to exactly how it sounds, fight something or run away from something. So it's going to increase your heart rate. It's going to inhibit digestion, inhibit urination, open up your airways, everything like that. So you can better, you know, fight back or run away. Uh, whereas your parasympathetic, that's going to be the opposite. So that's going to be what they call rest and digest. So instead of opening up your airways to breathe better, they're going to constrict your airways because you don't need as much air because you're more relaxed. Um, it's going to stimulate digestion. So it's going to make it easier to digest food. You know, you're going to have all those gastric juices flowing and everything. Uh, it'll stimulate urination. You're like, all right, I'm chill. I'm relaxed time to pee. It's okay. Yeah. I'm um, not going to be eaten by a tiger while I'm peeing. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to be thinking about when you're running away from a tiger is, man, I really have to pee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also it'll slow your heart rate down. So just okay. a nice relaxed state, mm-hmm. rest and digest, parasympathetic, fight or flight, sympathetic. Both of those fall under your autonomic nervous system, which is the automatic stuff compared to your Voluntary, which is somatic. All that is underneath the motor, which is underneath the peripheral nervous system, which is a part of the overall nervous system. So there you go. There's a quick speed breakdown of what the autonomic versus, or sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous systems are within the body. Oh, that was a lot. Speed round. But that was a great breakdown, Hannah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot. Yeah. Coming to medical school. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I have too. It's it's kind of fun learning so much. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like we, after, you know, we learn something new in school, it's so easy to apply it to our daily lives and things yeah. that we see around us. And it just, it helps us make more sense of things that we're experiencing regularly. You know, like why we, why we feel certain things when we're working out or why we feel certain things when we're sleeping and, and just kind of understanding the science behind it. Yeah. Um, and you kind of had a, a recent experience with that with acupuncture, right? Yeah. So I um, was at my acupuncturist and she's always like, oh, you're so stressed. You need to, you need to relax. And I'm like, well, you know, yes, but also <laughs> life is stressful sometimes. Um, and so one thing she was asking about is just like, you know, how like is are you digesting food okay I guess I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's the right way to word that but yeah she asked that and I I thought I might be but she was telling me it she was telling me if I'm stressed at all I shouldn't eat because Mm -hmm. stress like Hannah was saying um activates your sympathetic nervous system and that stops all stomach function stomach intestine your whole gastrointestinal tract Mm -hmm. it stops all of that from functioning because 
you're not relaxed. You're not yeah. in a state where your body feels like, okay, we can chill. We can digest this food. We're not worried about outside factors coming in, coming in, hurting us or interrupting whatever we need to do. Mm-hmm. So my acupuncturist was saying that if, uh, if I'm not stressed, that's a great time to eat. And yeah, she just to be clear, she wasn't telling you to not eat. Right, 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 right. <laughs> she was saying, yeah, she was saying if I am stressed, I should um, employ some like, I don't know, like mindful eating strategies mm-hmm. or just parasympathetic activation mm-hmm. before eating so that I can digest better. Right. Which just your body is so much happier when yeah. it's functioning like it's supposed to. Because if I load it with a bunch of food and it's not ready for it and it can't digest it because it's not in the parasympathetic and it doesn't have the right juices in there and mm-hmm. stuff because it's not it's not ready mm-hmm. then it's going to be really unhappy and that could manifest as stomach pain or yeah. bloating or um constipation diarrhea anything yeah, like that stuff. anything going on in your stomach yeah so. I'm, I'm imagining you know back to our running away from a tiger scenario. yeah Running away from a tiger and trying to eat a protein bar or something. Yeah. And your, your body just, I can imagine my stomach just being like, what the heck? Why did you just put this in my stomach? Like we have so many other things to worry about. We're not worried about digestion. So we're not, we're not going to do this right. We're just going to, you know, break it down as fast as we can. Probably have a lot of other problems going on with it. Just yeah. deal with it. Or throw it back up. Like throw it get it out of here. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we can't. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, your body, it's like. It's like when you provide ample time in your schedule to complete a project or an assignment compared yeah. to giving yourself an hour before it's due to try and complete. <laughs> like, which one do you think is going to be better work? You yeah. Know, the one where you have more time and you're in a better state and you're more prepared to do it yeah. versus the one where you're really not in a good place to be doing that kind of work, you know? So yeah. if you want quality work, do it at the right time. So right. if you want quality digestion... Do it when your sympathetic or your parasympathetic system is activated. Yeah, you know? exactly. And actually, um, Hannah and I, I was talking to Hannah about this mm-hmm. a little while ago, and we were both curious. And so we found an article, actually, that talks about mindful eating. And it's just a review article, so that means it takes a bunch of different studies and writes about, it reviews a bunch of different studies Mm -hmm. and um it talks about stress digestion mindful the stress digestion mindfulness triad and to improve gastrointestinal and digestive function which we both thought was a really interesting article um yeah just talking about they have a really cool chart in here um talking about some interventions you can use to activate your parasympathetic nervous system to digest food a little better um the first one they have in here is eating just really slowly and enjoying the food itself Mm -hmm. because food can be an experience and it doesn't have to just be sustenance like gobbling down like you know lunch before getting back to work is not Mm -hmm. always like you can imagine maybe you're like stressed 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 up until lunch you're super busy at work you have 15 minutes to have a quick mm. lunch because you went over in the morning and so your your body is really not ready for lunchtime mm-hmm. but then you eat because you're like okay it's lunchtime I need to get some food in me before I go back for the rest of the afternoon so I do realize that sometimes that's the reality mm-hmm. but if you're in that situation 
taking your time with your food rather than just like eating it all and taking your time with your food. Like I've played around with this a little bit and that can even just be like 10, like 10 minutes can be like taking your time, mm-hmm. especially if you're eating by yourself Yeah, and engaging all your senses. So smelling your food as you're eating it mm-hmm. and noticing the different textures and appreciating. And that kind of ties into gratitude too for your food and just like what you have, which is another good thing mm-hmm. uh if you're really stressed out right um so yeah that's one thing is slowing down and enjoying it another thing if you might have a little more time is you could meditate before you eat even mm. if it's just like five minutes or something just like sitting and just relaxing mm-hmm. um and breathing 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 <laughs> Yeah. So tell us a little bit about breathing. Yeah. So it's actually interesting. So everyone these days says, if you're stressed, take a deep breath, take a few deep breaths, take Mm. 10 deep breaths. The number of times I've heard that in my life is absurd. Oh, I know. (laughs) And the first time I was told to take deep breaths by my therapist several years ago, she was like, take 10 deep breaths when you're stressed. And I would just hyperventilate myself. Yeah. Like you may, you aren't given instruction on how to do it right. Yeah. You could honestly be making things worse. Yeah. Oh, you can. I've had friends tell me too that like deep breaths don't help them because you're just not doing it right. So how do you do it right? First of all, okay. If you're, oh, and real quick, where, where'd we get this info? This information comes mostly from um, the Oxygen Advantage book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he goes through a lot of reasons why you should care about how you breathe. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, it's actually really helpful. He has a little score that you can test yourself with. It's called, I think, Body Oxygen Level Test. Mm. And if it's within a certain range, he has a breathing plan for you. Mm. If it's in a different range, he has a different breathing plan for you. So it's a really... Yeah, and it can... Yeah, we'll go into breathing more in a different episode, Mm -hmm. but it's a great book. Yeah, and there are a lot of resources associated with the book and cited with the book. So a lot of additional like research articles that this guy used to compile the book so it's not just like his own opinion I mean it is going to be his interpretation his opinion as well but yeah it's it's not just you know a novel on how to breathe you know right it's definitely not it's scientifically backed he has like a whole if you um look up his website I think it's just the oxygenadvantage.com he's helped so many people like fully and completely change their lives just based on their breathing habits and breathing techniques. Very cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, back to how to take a deep breath. Right. First of all, how to not take a deep breath is if it sounds like this <gasps> or any <laughs> version of that. Yeah. If you're taking a deep breath and you look like you're taking a deep breath, you're doing it wrong. That's a really good metric. So if you look like you're taking a deep breath, so like, what does that even look like? So for me, when I originally thought about taking deep breaths, it was, okay, taking a deep breath, I'm expanding, my chest is rising and expanding, and then it's kind of collapsing, going back to normal. And the reason that's wrong is actually breathing in your chest activates your sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So when you want to activate your sympathetic nervous system, maybe you're a little drowsy sometimes or whatever, there's breathing techniques associated with that. 
to give you a little more energy. I'm not going to talk about that today, but if you, um, but that's definitely there. But taking a deep breath, really, you don't want to look like you're breathing at all, and you want your breathing to be really quiet. So when people, when I take a deep breath, I actually start by exhaling. And a really great way to exhale is to purse your lips and blow out like you're blowing through a straw for as long as you can and doing it from right under your rib cage where your diaphragm is, Mm. which that is um, the muscle. It's actually a really cool muscle because you have control over it Mm -hmm. and you also have automatic regulation over it yeah that's that autonomic versus somatic groups yeah the motor control that we talked about earlier yeah exactly and it's really cool that this is one of the organs or one of the muscles that has both because at night when you're breathing you're not thinking about it. It's mm-hmm. automatic or, or under the autonomic. A lot of time of the day when you yeah. just focus on other stuff. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, yeah. Most of the, I probably most of the day. Mm-hmm. But then the really great thing is when we're stressed, we have control over this muscle and we can use it to help ourselves calm down. So Yeah, I think that's actually real quick. Yeah. A great point to make. Like the human body is so I I think intentionally designed in a way. You know, oh, it's like, it's, like uh, yeah. Like why would we have our own control, somatic control over our diaphragm? Like, what is the point? Yeah. You know, everything was, it's not done just because, oh, that would be this cool. is a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like your body, like regardless of, you know, what your beliefs are, but just the use of it in your body, like how can you utilize it? So if your body was purely under, or if your breathing was purely under automatic control, then we wouldn't be able to adjust our levels of stress and whatnot with our breathing so it makes sense that adjusting your breathing intentionally would directly impact your levels of stress yeah and and to take that one step further if we couldn't recognize oh i'm stressed and i want to calm myself down Mm -hmm. we we have this whole like our brain can tell us that like some animals can't do that because they're just stressed and they need to just go be stressed be stressed be stressed and then, the, I guess let the point, auto, yeah, let the autonomic part of it yeah, like take flush care of itself it. out yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool thing. If you are really stressed a lot, you do have control over that, mm-hmm. which is pretty empowering for yeah. me anyway. I would agree. Yeah. So okay. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Back to the deep breath. <laughs> so start by breathing out and pursing your lips like you're breathing out through a straw, and then. Breathe in very slowly through your nose for a count of, I mean, people say like four to six seconds, but anything that just feels slow for you, it doesn't have to be a certain number of seconds Mm -hmm. and breathing into the bottom of your rib cage and, and your stomach will naturally expand. Mm -hmm. And then once you've taken a slow, relaxed inhale, then you can purse your lips again and blow out again through your lips um kind of contracting your stomach using your diaphragm to breathe out and you mm-hmm. can do that a couple of times just really going as slow as you can and that will activate your parasympathetic nervous system cool if you don't want to purse your lips and like like you're blowing through a straw maybe you don't want to make any noise or you don't like you just want to be quiet and kind of do your own thing because mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you're sitting at a cubicle and yeah. you have a neighbor and you don't want to you don't want to just go like weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe that's not really what your situation is in the moment. Mm-hmm. But another way you can do it is doing the same thing, but breathing out through your nose. And just instead of trying to breathe out, just letting your muscles relax mm-hmm. to breathe out. So breathing out technically shouldn't require any muscle use. It should just be right. a fully relaxed sensation and actually that's why in yoga and meditation um well sorry not meditation but in yoga when you're doing when you're holding a stretch for a little while that's why the the instructor will typically say okay and breathe out and lean a little more into it because you're relaxing your body Mm -hmm. and therefore able to go into a stretch a little more so that's a little side note on that but just being able to relax your your whole core and just let the air flow out of you. And again, you can do this for um, an inhale of like four seconds. You can do pause at the top for two seconds, exhale for six seconds, or you can do inhale for four seconds, exhale for six seconds, hold your breath for two seconds at the end Mm -hmm. um, and play around with that. But I would really just suggest going as slow as you can. The mm-hmm. fewer breaths you take, it's actually a lot better for your nervous system when you want yeah. to calm yourself down. I would say a point to that. Um, after reading that book um, and kind of challenging myself with breathing patterns and whatnot. And of course, like you said, we'll get into this more detailed in a future episode. Mm-hmm. But I, one of the biggest things I had to kind of get over was trusting that the amount of air I was breathing was plenty. Yeah. Because your brain, if you're if you're in the habit of breathing a lot and, you know, over-breathing, as well, they say in the yeah. book. Yeah, and know. most of us are. Yeah. Even I am. I, I still am. I'm yeah. still working on and, my breathing. And pridefully, I struggled with that. I was like, I'm going to be the best breather ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, I can't believe I can only, you know take this many seconds to exhale. Like I feel like I should be able to exhale much longer or I should be able to inhale much longer. So yeah, just being patient with yourself and also pushing yourself a little bit, trusting that the amount of air that you're, you're inhaling and exhaling is plenty. Like you're, you're fine. Like you're not going to pass out. Your body just thinks that you need more air because it's so used to you over breathing Mm -hmm. that the the minimum set point for the amount of air it thinks you need is way too high. So if you are feeling a little bit like, you know, ah, like I need a little more air, mm-hmm. that's that's okay too, you know, like just pause for a minute, reset. Also make sure you're in a safe space when you're doing this. Don't like yes. be standing on the edge of a cliff for Don't you. Don't do if you, that. If you uh, <laughs> this is not exercise over. to the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you fall over and could be bad. Like make sure you're safe for sure. Um, but yeah, play around with it and mm-hmm. maybe see how you feel after just some really slow breaths. Right. So quiet. And we're breaths. also, again, obviously not doctors. Yeah. This is just yeah, yeah, our yeah. own perspective on it. And from material that we have found interesting and have read. Exactly. Just like, you know, these articles that we're talking about today. Yeah. 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 We're not your doctor. Yeah. But this is interesting information we've yeah. tried to implement in our lives mm-hmm. a little bit and just wanted to share the love and the knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Hannah. Yes, Kate. Does this stuff actually work? Are there studies that say that this stuff actually works? Well, um, I did find one particular article that I was kind of 
instantly attracted to because of our personal connection, you and me. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so this is a psychophysiological profile. Oh, wow. Um, of, I know, what does that mean? Quite the word. <laughs> um, you know, just connection of the of the mental and the physical. Okay, okay. Mind, body. Yeah. Um, they did a study of women, yogis, runners, and sedentary lifestyles. Okay. So kind of a breakdown of the study. Uh, they selected females ages 20 to 50, um, a wide range of BMIs, so 18.5 to 30 BMI. Uh, it started out as 60 participants, but they went down to 57 by the end of it. So 57 participants um, and split them up into three groups, like I said, a yoga group, a running group, and a sedentary group. So the yoga group, to be in that group, you had to do more than or equal to 30 minutes of exercise per session, more than or equal to three times a week. Okay. And you had to have maintained that pattern for two years. Oh, okay. So a consistent, you know, yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Um, To be in the running group, it was the same metric, but for running. So more than or equal to 30 minutes per session, more than or equal to three times a week for two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the sedentary group was just they have no type of regular physical activity. Okay. So those are the three groups. And it was about 20 people per group. Okay. Um, I think the running group went down to 19 and the sedentary group went down to 18 by the end of it. Okay. Uh, so those are the three groups. And they measured uh, quite a few things. So quick note, when whenever you're reading uh, these kinds of um, clinical trials or research studies online, I really love reading the materials and methods section because that brings so much more context. I mean, obviously, if you're going to read it, you should read the whole thing. But it brings a lot more context to the conclusion. So instead of just like reading the abstract and then jumping straight to the results and conclusions, the, the methods and materials, I feel like really helps you identify if this is a legit study. You know, if you're like, yeah. wow, they only like right then and there, you'll be like, Oh, this study was only performed for five people. Okay. Well mm-hmm. now I have my doubts, you know? Yeah. So before you convince yourself or let yourself be convinced of like false information, it's just like a helpful way to, you know, kind of, evaluate the material and information that you're looking at. So reading through the materials uh, and methods section, uh, they measured a couple of things with like a a standard um, survey for each of these categories. So perceived stress, I think it was like a, like a 14 question standardized survey. Um, So they asked everybody to answer those questions. They did uh, a depressive symptoms survey, anxiety level survey, sleep quality survey, and then a leisure time exercise survey. So a quick note on that one, the leisure time exercise survey was uh, questioning the number of minutes a week or the time spent per week dedicated to certain levels of exercise. So mild, moderate, intense. Mm -hmm. Um, So more intense for longer periods of time, more mild for shorter periods of time, however you want to break it down. So that's how that score comes from. So this a higher score for a leisure time exercise category indicates more intense exercise, whereas a lower score indicates less intense exercise. But that doesn't okay. necessarily mean more or less exercise. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know Just I mean? like intensity. Yes, the yeah. intensity level. Um They also looked at heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Now, quick note on heart rate variability. A lot of the other articles and this article that I read through um, use heart rate variability as an indicator of how efficient your autonomic nervous system is. 
So heart rate variability, meaning how quickly or slowly does your heart rate go from being elevated to being at a resting state? Or how quickly mm. can you go from a resting state to a, an elevated heart rate? Okay. So imagine you know, you're running a 100-meter dash. You finish the 100-meter dash. How quickly does your heart rate go from this elevated heart rate down back to a recovered resting state? So they say that a faster or a, a, a yeah, I guess a shorter variability, you know, like a, that shorter amount of time between a high heart rate and a low heart rate indicates a more efficient autonomic nervous system. You can more efficiently go from sympathetic to parasympathetic and vice versa. Yes. Okay. I'm yeah. following. Okay. So that's heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. So they looked at all those things and th- this was kind of the, um, oh, sorry. They also did two more tests, but oh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. This is, this is the breakdown of, of the test. Okay. So they start by asking everybody, they all got there like, it was like 8am in the morning. I love that they tell it like a little story too. Yeah. When you read through the methods, it's like, it's like you're there you can imagine like these volunteers for the study walking in and yeah. having the study done. Um, so they started out with the questionnaires. So the questionnaires for stress, depression, anxiety, sleep quality, and leisure time exercise. They started with those questionnaires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did uh, baseline values. So they got baseline heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, that kind of stuff. And then they do some continuous monitoring of your heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, um, continuous monitoring while they make them take this stress test. So the stress test is, it's a, it's, they called it like a color test and like a math test. So the color test was one of those tests where they have like a PowerPoint slide and uh, a color will pop up, like the word for a color, the word red, but it'll be in a different font color. So it'll be like the word red, but the font color is green. Mm. And they're like, okay, you have to say the word of the color those are so hard they are they're really (laughs) tricky especially when they go faster yeah oh my gosh i do not like those yeah definitely stressful and then they also like during the test if you got it wrong like this like error message pops up like error you got it wrong (laughs) so that's like even more stressful yeah um and then that was immediately followed by a math test so like an arithmetic test so they basically ask them simple subtraction questions i'm pretty sure which Anybody out there who isn't like a math whiz, I feel like on the spot mental math can be pretty stressful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, don't yeah. ask me, you know, what like eight minus three is or something. You know, I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so definitely um, <laughs> causes a little bit of stress there. So they, they, they test like a non-physical stress, I guess is kind of the intention mm, of that, mm-hmm. you know, so they do more of a mental stress. Okay. Then they do a bit of a recovery period where they're, again, continuously monitoring those baseline values. Mm-hmm. And then instead of the, the mental stress, then they go into a physical stress test. So they do this standardized uh, step test. So basically there was like a box that they would step up and down on for three minutes. And okay. they followed like an audio prompt. So the audio prompt was consistent for all of the participants saying step up, step down step up step down you know like that so everyone yeah. was going at the same pace um for the same amount of time so they measured heart rate you know respiratory rate all of that um during that part of the test too so that and that completed the the test so that's kind of how it went for the morning it was like a two-hour day oh wow pretty quick yeah so looking at the results so again the, the groups were yoga group running group sedentary group mm-hmm. um so you know it's pretty obvious that the scores for the running and the yoga group uh, are going to be better. You know, they're going to yeah. have the healthier numbers. Right. Um, so I was a, a little more interested to look at 
specifically comparing yoga versus running, two very different types of exercise. Yeah. And I was immediately connected to this because of you and me. Yeah. Because I know, you know, you love your yoga. It's definitely, I feel like, a great source of, you know stress for you yeah and you're definitely a runner too don't get me wrong I'm not no yeah that, okay. right? but <laughs> I definitely feel like running is kind of more my my go-to whereas yoga is your more your go-to yeah for de-stress. on like a really stressful day yes yeah like I feel like I can think of specific examples of coming home at like 3 p.m after you know class or something and I can hear you in your room doing a little yoga video follow along and I'm like tying my tennis shoes to go for a run yeah exactly exactly (laughs) different ways to manage stress now quick note I don't there was nothing in the study saying that like the participants did these activities to manage stress yeah so it's not clearly saying like oh yeah all of the runners said we love to run because it decreases our stress but (laughs) That being said, I do feel like you and I can at least relate to this. That exercise helps you manage stress. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that's proven. That's got to be proven. Yeah. There's got to be something out there, you know? So I I definitely feel like running and yoga, at least according, you know, to the examples used in this study, are great sources to help manage your stress and promote physical health. Um, Mm -hmm. so looking at kind of the two groups, uh, just a couple of things that I noticed were a little bit different. The yoga group had a lower resting respiratory rate. So the number of times that they breathed a minute. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Than the runners. Mm -hmm. Um, so runners took more breaths per minute. Okay. But the runners had a lower resting heart rate than the yogis. Interesting. Which I also found interesting. Yeah, well, and those are both, like, markers for health. Like, mm-hmm. a very low resting heart rate is yeah. a marker for health. And I think a less commonly talked about one is a low respiratory rate. Like I would agree. Like, depending on, you know, your size, um, like, physical size, if you're, like, a big man versus, like, a smaller woman, mm-hmm. you really should only be taking, like, four to six breaths a minute. Whoa, yeah. that's low. And the clinical... Uh, and... I got that from the oxygen advantage, if okay. I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, I was going to say, what we learned in our, or in maybe, our medical classes yeah. is a little higher. But that's yeah. you know, more like national average, not necessarily what's actually healthy. Yeah, well, yeah. because in um, Western medicine, clinically, mm-hmm. we, we're learning that your breathing rate should be between 12 and 20. Yeah. And that's, like you just said, oh. a national average. Uh, sorry, an average. Mm-hmm. And I think mine's around like eight or nine yeah mine I think every time we've done the little practice like at home physical exams mine's always like nine or ten yeah you're right in there exactly and if I breathed more I would be hyperventilating myself and I know I would be more anxious because I'm breathing too much so so interesting yeah that's a quick little side note on that but um yeah that's very interesting that the two two different markers of health were different for mm-hmm. people who practice and I could exercise. totally see why though you yeah know, I, I know. can see Until how yoga since it's so involved with breath work you mm-hmm. know you're really focusing on your breath during all of your poses and the different stretches you know it gets it's fully integrated and I mean this is coming from an outsider who's not, no yeah no it is that's what it's regular, about you know yeah whereas running I mean I can think back to like when I was training for track in high school you mm-hmm. know and and we were taking our heart rate all the time. Yeah. You know, well, like, same with swimming. When yeah, I was, same yeah. with swimming too. Yeah. So I, I think it's probably just like it's more of a focus in both of those fitness categories, like mm-hmm. breathing versus heart rate. 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, now this one's probably a little more obvious, but it was interesting that they just made a note of it, Mm -hmm. but yoga had a lower leisure physical activity score. So that lower intensity score. Um, okay. That we talked about before. Well, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And running had a higher intensity score. So, yeah. But at the same time, yoga, the yoga group spent more minutes per week exercising mm. compared to the running group. They spent fewer minutes per week exercising. So, the running group had fewer minutes per week exercising at a higher level of intensity, whereas the yoga group had more minutes per week exercising at a lower level of intensity. Okay. So, well, that makes obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get a three mile run in in 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. And one yoga, uh, it's hard to do a full yoga practice in half an hour. Mm -hmm. So, I would agree. That makes sense. Um, And then just like consistently across the board, both the yoga and running groups had uh, lower scores in the survey categories or like better scores in the survey categories than the sedentary group. So, Perceived stress was lower. Okay. Depressive symptoms were lower. Anxiety levels, sleep quality, like all of that. So like that, um, I found, you know, it's what I was expecting. Right. You know, but like confirmed the expectations, right? Yeah. So just acknowledging that taking care of your health and using fitness as a way to manage stress, like, and you know, this is my own take on the studies. This isn't I'm not trying to speak for the study when I say this, but can help manage those levels of stress which are directly affecting your autonomic nervous system like yeah. your autonomic nervous system is all about stress yeah you know it's are you stressed, man- stressed? managing stress exactly yeah. so if you're looking for you know i would love to look more into ways that we can activate or deactivate you know those two systems the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic for you know maximum efficiency when it comes to different activities in our life you know so definitely would love to look more into that but I think this study just kind of helped helped validate that like yeah like this is a real a real thing like the more that you take care of this time to de-stress and take care of your physical fitness you know the the less stressed you are and the, and it has an impact on your actual health, like looking at, you know, your heart rate and your respiratory rate and your BMI and your weight. Now, I mean, BMI and weight, those are a little more controversial when it comes to... Yeah, well, especially BMI. Yeah. I think I'm... My BMI might say I'm... I, I don't know if I'm overweight. So, yeah, my BMI... I was for a while. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was definitely like, well, I have a high BMI, but I think yeah. it's because... Of muscle, you know. Yeah, because VMI doesn't take into account muscle tone. It doesn't. <laughs> but, but it's still used clinically, so. Right. Better. So if we're, that's definitely a number that you're going to see in clinical trials and if you're looking yeah. at data and stuff like that. So just having an understanding of kind of where it comes from is, yeah. I think, important. Yeah. But, but yeah, I just thought it was an interesting study to compare those two activities, specifically yoga and running, mm-hmm. um, in relation to the autonomic nervous system. Yeah. So. No, I think that is really cool. And it's. Cool little personal collection. Too. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of neat. So definitely has prompted me to want to look into this more, um, you know, looking at um, other ways that we can kind of hack our system. Anyway, yeah. You know? Like it's it's under our own control for a reason, like we said. Yeah. You know? Well, and with so many people these days, like suffering from anxi- like clinical anxiety and clinical mm-hmm. depression, you know, yeah. definitely it's great that we have these... Um, hopefully growing resources with clinical Western medicine, but 
it's also like, okay, well, what can you do on your own? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a pinch or you don't have like a great doctor you like yet, or you don't have a therapist you really like yet, like what's something you can do? Or if you just like don't want to take medication. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you don't, or you don't want to take medication. Mm -hmm. Like you're looking for natural ways maybe. Okay. Well, working on just like maybe just starting by noticing the differences in your, in your sympathetic and parasympathetic when you're, you know, eating or Mm -hmm. when you're at work or when you're walking to work or commuting, I guess, however you (laughs) might commute to work. Um, You know, is it a crazy busy environment and everything's going, going, going because that activates your sympathetic nervous system just because it's a lot of stimulation. Yeah. You know? And I think something else about kind of what we've looked into today with like these two, you know, articles, research that we, that we went over is just because something is you know natural you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that word's kind of thrown out a little more like buzzwordy um meaning like just because it doesn't require a certain medication Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's woo woo or silly or not real you know like this is real stuff that your body has been doing for you know since the beginning of humans you know (laughs) like this is this is how your body works and i feel like people forget that you already have all of these systems built in in place yeah to help you and medication i'm not trying to knock it like it can be great to help get somebody back on their feet or reset especially when it comes to like depression anxiety that kind of stuff yeah but at the same time like you don't like you i personally want to be at a place where my body is is taking care of itself as best that it can you know if i don't need to be on a medication for something i don't want to be on it yeah Well, and I don't want to have to rely on something external for my well-being because what if something happens and I can't get that external thing and yeah, or that's scary. yeah, and and what I'm what's gonna happen? Am I gonna end up in the hospital because of mm-hmm. and this some, is yeah specifically you know, if you're like in a state that like you are healthy and right. can do it. You know, you if, can if you, do it if you, you need medication for something. Like I'm not saying don't take that. Right. Like, that's not well, problem. and yeah. everyone's also on their own journey. Mm-hmm. But like for me. I also, I also like experimenting the like little science part of me, Mm. like experimenting with different ways of regulating my nervous system, you know, just like ways to calm down, ways to, um, manage stress Mm -hmm. just cause like, I think it's fun. Yeah. You can you can kind of have fun with this stuff too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your body. It's you, it's who you are. So it's, it's figuring out more stuff about yourself. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It's fun. Yeah. You know, and it's. It's, I just think it's fascinating to figure out more about what your body is capable of, mm-hmm. you know, Me too. because there's so, there's so much that we just don't know or understand about ourselves. And, you know, we can get into that about, you know, lack of education or lack of, you know, learning about this stuff when you're in middle school and high school and yeah. just having an understanding of how your own body works. But it's so empowering once oh, yeah. you know what your body can do. Yeah. And ways you can hack it. Yeah, hack your body. Yeah, which your body, I'm sure, is sitting there thinking, like, it's been this way forever. Like, yeah. I should have figured this out a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, life hack. Just take deep breaths. Yeah. <laughs> take uh, correct deep breaths. Correct deep breaths. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that kind of wraps up for today. Um, so, just something a little bit different today, just going over some of the articles and, and things like that. Um, so, we'd love your feedback on this if you were interested in what we talked about today or if you want to see, you know, more episodes like this. 
Um, we have an email now. Yeah, we sent an email <laughs> right before this episode. <laughs> um, wait, what's it called again? I it's called <laughs> Howdy from Houston Podcast at gmail.com. Okay. So Howdy from Houston Podcast, one word, no dots, commas, apostrophes, underscores, underscores, whatever. dashes, whatever, yeah. just one word, all lowercase. Howdy from Houston Podcast. Podcast. Howdy from Houston Podcast. At, yes, okay. at gmail.com. It'll be in the show notes, too. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we would love your feedback. Anything you love we're doing, anything maybe we could improve on because mm-hmm. we're still pretty new. We're still, you know, figuring things out. Yeah. And or, you know, articles that you find interesting. Exactly, that yeah. That you want us to talk about. Or, like, yeah, articles, of just general no, no, topics. No. You just want to say hi. Like, yeah. that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, and we'll respond to your emails, so. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.